Hello and welcome to the Talking Cock Rodmast podcast um, number seven. Uh, the tour is well underway, about halfway through. Uh, had lots of fun on the last leg, uh, in uh, especially in Scotland, Edinburgh and Glasgow, both very different kind of gigs, but uh, quite 300 or so, 350 at Glasgow and about 100 in Edinburgh, but the Edinburgh stand versus the Glasgow Citizens Theatre, very different sizes, but very enthusiastic crowds. Durham and Salford. Salford was a big sellout, although it was snowing, so some people didn't turn up. Wolverhampton, as always, slight disappointment. I'm never. My aim is to play the big room at Wolverhampton, but I seem to be going down. My popularity in Wolverhampton uh, gets less each year. But uh, overall, I think we're about the same on this tour in, in terms of ticket numbers. But uh, some are up, some are down. That's the way it goes. But uh, there are still plenty more opportunities to see the show. Um, I will get this out of the way now while I've got it in front of me. This week I am going to, on the 3rd of April, Wednesday, I'll be in Stafford. That gig has sold out, but check with the venue for returns. Uh, the 4th of April I'll be in Cardiff at the Glee Club. That usually sells out well in advance. It's selling okay, but isn't sold out. So, <coughs> excuse me. So if you uh, know any of the seaweed eaters in Cardiff, or you are one of them, Stop stuffing your face with seaweed for five seconds. Come and see me talking about cocks at a fantastic venue. Hopefully we'll uh, sell it out. There'll be a late rush. Usually it sells out. I usually do well there. So again, it'll be annoying if Cardiff went the way of Wolverhampton. Uh, Dublin on uh, the Saturday the 6th of April. Again, I'm, that might be sold out. It's very close to selling out. It's quite a small venue. And um, then just in case I don't do one of these next week because I'm going away for a first anniversary trip with my wife who will have been married for a year on the 7th of april so we're going away on the 8th to the 11th to venice if if you it'd be nice wouldn't it yeah uh and uh so on the 12th and 13th of april i'm in the london bloomsbury um which again has so, so, suddenly had a spurge late spurge of ticket sales so it's nearly sold out both of those i'm recording the dvd on the 13th of april at the bloomsbury so you will be able to see the show even if you can't come along to the tour go to richchain.com slash talking cock number two slash tour dot php and you can see all the remaining 30-odd dates to go. It feels like we're nearly through it, but there is a long way to go. But uh, this week on the podcast, the Rodmast podcast, I just I thought we'd just have a like a mufty day where there's no uh, massive theme. Um, just go through a bit of the correspondence I've had from you at home. Um, thank you for emailing in. You can email me at herring1967 at gmail.com if you've got uh, any penis uh, stories or questions. Uh, and uh, most of the ones I've had do it seemed that even though people were slightly freaked out by the penile injury podcast uh, many of you sent in even more gruesome stories so I might read a couple of those but don't worry the whole thing isn't going to be a gruesome show um, <coughs> and quite a lot of I'm a bit ill again sorry uh, I will be coughing throughout this um, and a few childhood memories but you can send in anything you like I think next week I may Cover the subject of masturbation. How would you like them, them apples? Um, so uh, if you have any questions or any stories within reason, I think someone sent me a picture of their penis this week. I don't want you to do that. I didn't open the attachment. Um, so uh, it's all very interesting, but that's that's a step too far. So don't do that. Your th anything with attachments will just be deleted. Um, th this is an audio podcast. There's no point in sending me pictures in any case. Um, so anyway, look, I'll just go through a few. Uh, I've had a couple of uh, 
slightly gruesome stories from doctors who are used to this kind of thing. But them, some of them do have a... Uh, well, the first one at least does have a sort of serious message behind it. So I think I will I will read that out. I think I can probably get away with um, reading the name. David Patterson is the doctor who is first to uh, contact me. He says, Hi, Richard. You asked for a gruesome story about penises. I don't think I did. I really don't think I did. Uh, but uh, maybe I did some, some time ago. <laughs> I think I did ask for a penile injury story. So maybe. But I don't know if I ever got to that stage where I said, Can I have a gruesome story? Uh as you imagine, as you may imagine, in the past 10 or so years, I've been a doctor, as I've been a doctor, I've seen some pretty gruesome things. However, by far the worst, most gruesome, disturbing sight that still haunts me is one of the very first operations I got to help out on as a very junior doctor. It was a guy in his 50 having a rad radical penectomy. Uh, basically, the surgeon hacked his knob off with an electric cautery machine and replumbs the tube so the urethra exits near the anus if you must know. He had quite advanced cancer of the penis, which he developed over a year or so, but he'd not been to see anyone at first. He didn't know what it was wrong, and later he was too embarrassed and then scared. I don't know what happened to him after the operation, but probably his prognosis would have been very poor. Luckily, cancer of the penis is quite rare, about 500 cases in the UK a year, generally in older men, but it's still something to think about. Everyone knows about testicle cancer, uh, much less about knob cancer. I don't know if that's the official doctor term that will be used if you come in and you've got it. They go, yep, so I'm afraid to tell you You've got knob cancer. I think they may say penis cancer, but you know he's being he's being a nice, uh, informal doctor in that in that parentheses. Uh, things to watch out for and see your doctor about are any new lump or sore, which I'd say was probably a good idea anywhere on your body, certainly on your penis. Any new area of redness, any thickening of the skin, especially around the foreskin, or a rash that doesn't go away. As with most cancers, treatment is generally successful if you can catch it early. Hope that helps! Exclamation mark. Uh, so it's sort of cheery uh, <laughs> and uh, uh, email there about uh, penis cancer, knob cancer, to give it its true name. Do keep checking yourself out. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, that's just true of any anything on your body that you don't remember being there before. I mean, if you've woken up with a penis and you didn't have one last night, I'd go to the doctor about that as well, um, just in case. Uh, I, think they, I don't think they can just spontaneously grow, but sometimes... Frogs and stuff change sex, don't they? You know, I don't know, I'm just wittering on. Anyway, another doctor, Dr Jeremy Keynes, uh, who is in Australia, I believe. Um, it was keen for me to mention his name, and, and uh, no pun intended there. Uh, he wrote, wrote quite a long email, I said, just read a bit out of it. I have some penis memories which you may enjoy. I mean, that's not an email. You know, you don't get many emails like that, do you? You normal people who don't aren't obsessed with penises. I have some penis memories you may enjoy. I mean, <laughs> to be honest, if you sent that has an email to anyone else in the world, you will get arrested. But it's all right for Dr. Jeremy Keynes to email me and go, I have some penis memories you may enjoy. I remember wanking off. No, this one. Um, he didn't say that. I'm an, I'm an, I am an, I am an anatomist. No, still haven't got, I am an anatomist. That's quite a hard thing to say. I am an anatomist, an antipodean anatomist. I'm just trying to think of a, a uh, a tongue twister around that. I'm an Antipodean anatomist. I might write one of those for next week. That's quite good. Sorry, I'm I'm just wittering on. I'm overexcited. It's just been Easter. I've had too much chocolate. Um, I'm a, I am an anatomist. I'm an anatomist. <laughs> do you think I could do a whole podcast that's just me saying the words I am an anatomist over and over again in different ways? I think it might be. I think maybe that's my next year's Edinburgh show. So I've probably seen more cocks than many people. Yeah. Every one of our male cadavers comes with one. 
So this is kind of, again, slightly gruesome. The preservation process, which involves pumping fluid into the body, tends to leave the member in a somewhat engorged state, meaning they look larger than the average. I don't think this is a, uh, something that you should try if you are alive to make your penis bigger. Don't kind of pump your body full of preservation fluid in the hope you will impress uh, your partners or your friends. Um, that it will work um, if you're dead. So that's a nice, at least if you've got a small penis and you're about to die, you can think, well, at least when they put those fluids in me, it's going to look bigger than it than it was. So, you know, look forward to the anatomist, the Antipodean anatomist. I am an anatomist, an Antipodean anatomist. So I'm doing a reference to a 1960s kids show there that most of you won't um, even get. I'm not sure even if you were as old as me, you'd... I'm a policeman. I've gone nuts. I'm, I don't know what's wrong with me. I've been swimming this morning. I'm, I'm overexcited. Anyway, it leaves the membrane in a somewhat engorged state, meaning they look larger than the average. I hope we haven't left the women in a state of disappointment when they see the live thing. It's unlikely that the first penis... I don't want to kind of comment on all these stories too much. It's unlikely that the, the first penis a woman is going to see is on a cadaver when she's a, an anatomist. Uh, is it? I mean, I think she'll probably would have seen some before. So it's not like they'll go, wow... That's not going to be your first experience. Well, maybe it is. I don't know. But if it is your first experience, if you see a dead body with a big penis, don't think, oh, that's what all men's cocks are going to be like because that because of that preservation fluid that they put in. They must be able to do a version that will work when you're alive. We should look into this. Um, or the males feeling even more deficient. Yeah, but again, maybe that might be more likely. They also seem quite happy with half heads, but a longitudinal or cross-section penis makes them blanch. I would have thought a half head would be pretty gruesome. That uh, I mean, you've all seen the pictures of cross-section penises, uh, but I think if I was presented with a real one, that might make me slightly queasy. We still get a few people asking about where there is a bone missing from our skeleton sets, he says. So, you know, some people think there is a bone in the penis. There isn't a bone in the penis. In my show, I do put a slide up that's like someone's broken their, the bone in their penis. It isn't massively clear, but people do seem to genuinely think it's real uh, as an X-ray, but... Uh, it's not possible to break the bone in your penis because there isn't one. It is possible to slightly damage your penis by uh, coming in at the wrong angle when it is erect, but it's very unusual that you would uh, break it <coughs> entirely. On a touchy side, though, I once did say, uh, on a touchy side, though, I once heard you say bulbarethal and the pronunciation grated. The gland, which secretes the alkali, which makes the urethra a safe place for sperm. It's one of my favourite glands. It's the Cowper's gland. William Cowper's proudest achievement is what I call it. Uh, he's named the uh, the gland in the penis after himself. His mum must have been very pleased. There was also a William Cap who was a poet, but I don't think it's the same person I came across in a book the other day about the 18th and 19th century. Anyway, I digress. Uh, anyway, the gland is adjacent to the bulb of the penis, hence its name usually pronounced bulbo-urethral, in my experience, not bulbo-urethral. Bulbo-urethral. Well, I don't know what I was saying. Bulbo-urethral. That is how you say it. So I do apologise to any doctors out there. Apparently, um, I was only recently told that uh, when I'm talking about frenulum, when but the frenulum, the banjo string being ripped, uh, which is in the show, has made two grown men faint so far. I've been to the marriage of one of the men who fainted. Um, that I've been calling that frenulum breve, which is because it's spelled B-R-E-V-E, like the musical note. Uh, but apparently it's frenulum brevet. Do let me know if you're an anatomist, if you're an antibody and anatomist. P.C. McGarry's. I don't know why I'm bothered. I'm not going to go back and, and, and edit this out. I hope you're enjoying this slight uh, giddiness that uh, this podcast is coming with. 
Um, <coughs> excuse me. It must be horrible to have that coughing. You know, I wish I could go back and edit it, but you know, I could, but I can't bother. Anyway, this one is from Jim from the Malted News podcast. I, again, I haven't, don't know if I've got permission to use his name, but the fact he's given his podcast, he probably would want a uh, a little plug for that. Um, he says, uh, you got me thinking about parenting and things in your Talking Cock podcast. When my Joe, his, his son was young, when his son was young, let's not give him his name in case he's embarrassed. <laughs> his favourite film was Ghostbusters and he, me and his brother, Sam, oh, I've given his name, would go to the loo together and play Ghostbusters. I don't know, I should... Was he... Was he a grown man when he was doing this? I'm, I'm going to have to go and find the original because I just took a little uh, bit out of... I just This is, you know... I just took it, the bit I was interested in out of this uh, email and now I'm going to have to just go check. Um, yeah, yeah, it's, he was talking about his son. He's talking about his son. That's what, Yeah, is that all right? I don't know. Um, <laughs> he would go and wee with his son, his two sons. Uh, and uh, we would all wee into the loo at the same time. Yeah, come on, this is something that happens. I mean, with brothers, I'm not sure the dad usually gets involved, Jim. But uh, I don't want to go. I haven't given you surname yet. But if anyone tracks down your podcast, there may be trouble. Uh, we'd all be into the at the same time and shout, whatever you do, Egon, don't cross the streams. Followed by one of us saying, oh no, I crossed the streams. Is that bad? Then we would all scream. Uh, on another occasion when Joe was young, he asked me a question. Dad, I know what condoms are for, but why do they sell flavoured ones? Put on the spot, I explained that sometimes he may find himself in a position where he needs to open a condom packet, but only has one hand free. Uh, the flavoured condom stops you from getting a nasty taste when you re rip it open with your teeth. I trust that your educational show may re-educate him from some of my poor parenting. I don't know. Well, I don't know. Why not just be honest? But I suppose it's hard to be honest with that one. Um, uh, if they're little, which I hope they were, you know, I hope they weren't all 28 years old when this happened. Anyway, many thanks for giving great shows, which have kept me sane on many occasions. I'm not sure they have, Jim. I'm slightly, I'm slightly worried I've got you into trouble. Uh, here's something from Tiggs, who was a lady who came to see the show. She said, my son, age two, calls his erection strong, Willie. You can have that. I will have it. Um, and then another lady told me her son uh, called his penis happy when it was erect and sad when it wasn't erect, which is, I think, quite... You know, children say the funniest things, don't they? But they talk a lot of truth. Um, and, and another email I got from Joff... Uh, Again, that's probably identifies him to anyone who knows him. It was when I was 19. These are a couple of, uh, again, unpleasant stories. See, I'm, this is what I've been getting in the in the post bag, in the post scrotum. It was when I was 19 and I was with my first love. And mid-ride, I noticed a lot of blood appearing on everything. Friendly and brevet. Naturally, I suggested it was her month arriving early. But when I withdrew, I noticed I'd indeed snapped my string. Thing is, though, it was strange that the actual snapping didn't hurt. And it wasn't until I saw what happened that the pain registered... And register it did. I was told by the doctor not to have sex for at least a month until it healed. That was never going to happen, so I ended up making it worse. The plus side on this is that I've since been able to get quite a lot of impromptu sex out of this anecdote, as women are curious to see the split. So I show them, and one thing leads to another. So there was indeed gain from this pain. There are a lot of there are a lot of weirdos out there, aren't there? I'm sorry to have to uh, share this with you. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, he also says, in order to get even more cock into the title, can I suggest the addition of an S to the talking, giving a stalking cock rod mast? It's good. What about stalk dong cock? Stalk 
Don Cock Rod Must. It's getting too far away, isn't it? Uh, so thank you for that story of how a you know a torn friend has got. Uh, you've used that as a chat up line. Yeah, I, yeah, I ripped the I ripped my banjo string. Can I see it? Mm, one thing led to another. It sounds like a Fiesta magazine from when I was twelve years old. That's the kind of story that happened there that I can't believe actually happens. But you know, if you call Joff, it might be King Joffrey from uh, Game of Thrones, which you should watch if you're not watching it. Um, he seems much nicer in email form than he does on the program where he's busted. <coughs> anyway, Graham says, when I was in my early 20s, I worked as a... This is another ripping banjo string story. I'm sorry that there's so much uh, unpleasantness. When I was in my early 20s, I worked as a lifeguard in a leisure centre and hooked up with a girl from the cafe. She was a fox in every department, although she did have bucked teeth. Still, I could cope with that. Um, I'm glad to hear it. I like a bucked teeth lady and a big nose lady. That's what I like. Anyway, on one occasion, we were in a 69 position with me standing up and holding her upside down. I think Graham's just slightly showing off here as with many of these stories that I get from guys seriously you're standing what God, I feel that I've left a very sheltered life suddenly I felt a tug and realised that my frenulum was caught in the gap between her teeth panic set in and I said stay still I wanted to try and lie down so she could carefully put her head away uh, pull her head away not put it away pull her head away I can only imagine uh, I can only imagine that the process of trying to sit onto the bed made my balls block her nose or something because she suddenly yanked her head away sideways Ah! I had the last laugh though as she ended up with male menstrual facial that's not I don't think you really did have the last laugh your penis had just been ripped open and you bled everywhere uh, that's, it wasn't her fault it was your fault for indulging in such perverse Sex is awful evening, is his uh, is his summing up of that. And it started so well, didn't it? That's, the message of that is don't do anything that is, don't do any sexual thing that is um, that perverted and wrong. Um, okay, uh, so uh, we'll move on. I've just got an email there, sorry, and I read it. It was really boring. I thought it might be something for this, but of course it wasn't. Uh, another another email I got, which I won't name the people involved. Maybe I will. One of my friend's parents are very religious, and when he was about 14, he was having a wonderful wank watching some pornography. How do you know it was wonderful? Were you there as well? During this act, his mother walked into the room, stared at him aghast, pointed at him, and shouted Judas at the top of her voice. Religious people are fucking idiots. That's what this guy says. Feel free to use his name. His name is Andrew, although he might not be happy if you do use this. Thanks from Colin. So if you're... You know, Colin, he's got a friend called Andrew who's got a religious mum. That was probably him. He was wanking off. And this is from Jamie. I just want to say that when I was 16, living on my own, getting ready to go out, I thought I'd better iron my clothes after a bath. I might have read this one before. It's probably just if I have. Was happily doing my shirt when I felt a searing pain. I'd ironed right across my foreskin. Needless to say, I didn't touch it for a long time. And when the blisters came, it looked like a balloon. A foreskin balloon, if you will. Cheers, Jamie. So, yeah, so I might have read that one before, but, uh, you know, I think it bears listening to twice. But uh, <coughs> I thought I would uh, talk about the Willy Brush now. One of the main messages of the Talking Cock Show, if you can't get to see it, and even if you can, um, the one thing I really want men to take away from it is to wash your penis on a daily basis. That is the most important thing you could learn from this show. Uh, I think it bears repetition. And uh, uh, a few months, well, back in November, I think it was last year, uh, I uh, on Twitter it was when Lord Sugar was uh, was suggesting that women bosses or bosses buy women like the the, the fingernail finger uh, nail brushes that he he was promoting and everyone thought it was very sexist and I tweeted you know it's all right because he's, he's also been uh, tweeting that their bosses should buy 
men a smegma scraper so he's not sexist but then a lot of people will email to tell me oh, you know, I thought a smegma scraper I was imagining something like a Roman strigil if you can imagine that might be a genuinely good product and commented I might take it to the dragon's den um, as, my, as my whole comedy career is boiling down to encouraging men to clean their penises I did this in uh, the 12 Tasks of Hercules Terrace as well but if I could achieve that then my life would be well lived if that's, all, if that's what my legacy was that men had gleaming helmets then I would feel that my it was worth me being here. Uh, then a guy called at Kretmeister tweeted to say such a thing did exist and directed me to the webpage for the Willy Brush, which I think is www.willybrush.com. I should have it up and ready. Let me let me just find it. Some other I'm just t- typing in stuff and read what comes up in it on the suggestions. I'm suggesting all kinds of odd stuff there. I don't know what it. But yeah, if you go to www.willybrush.com, you can see this at the top. There's a picture of uh, Alan, Alan Cummings talking to Graham Norton about it. And there's a picture of a, a very happy man hugging what looks like quite a relieved woman. Because uh, <coughs> I think as if it's not an ideal gift to give to someone this uh, Willy Brush because it sort of does say, I think your penis stinks. Um, but uh, the woman does look relieved. If you go and look at that, you'll see what I mean. And the man does look very happy. Um, do try and keep your penis clean I don't think you need a willy brush but it's a, it's comedy gold the, the company was proud of being based in Scotland which is undoubtedly the smegma capital of Europe there's no doubt about that but also claims on the website our company believes that the revolutionary product will become as commonly used as other hygiene related toiletries such as the toothbrush or hairbrush I'm not sure that's true it might be as commonly used as those items are to use to clean genitals which you know I, I suspect they occasionally are so I thought it'd be a good idea to uh, buy one of these uh, Willy brushes. Um, I thought, you know, it could give me 10 minutes or five minutes in the in the show uh, when I was looking for to extend my cock from one hour to 90 minutes. Um, but the day I, uh, the week I bought it, the, I, I, my bank account was hacked and some, and I got a call from the bank saying, you know, can you just confirm you've made these purchases? And some of them I hadn't and some of them I had, but the last legitimate purchase I'd made was a willy brush and I could hear the tone of judgment in the woman's voice as she said is that a real one you know, obviously that would probably what clued them up the, the thousand pounds that had gone to wonga.com they probably thought oh that's just normal but when they saw that I bought a willy brush they kind of thought yeah that's obviously not a real thing so I had bought a willy brush so it was slightly embarrassing to have to recount that over the line at uh, such a difficult time but uh, I'm sure the staff are trained you know it's probably a day of training for those bank people to not laugh at people who bought willy brushes um, as you know, a recent uh, purchase. But in any case, um, but uh, I'll just read a little bit from uh, from my uh, blog when the, the Willy Brush arrived. Exciting news! My Willy Brush arrived today. I went up market and bought the version that comes in its own wooden box, mainly because I didn't really realise how much cheaper the non-box version was. <coughs> but at least this also includes a little bar of soap. There's no point in brushing your Willy if you're not going to stick some soap on it too. I didn't feel very much like trying the brush out. I kept picturing the man at the factory whose job it is to check that all the brushes are working properly. I'm sure there's no such man and the brush has never been in contact with anyone's genitals, but I couldn't help picturing it and I didn't want to put it on my own genitals after that. My wife and her friend saw the box on the table and assumed, as any right-minded person would, that it was a shaving brush. It does look similar. My granddad used to have one of those, said the friend. I don't think he did, I replied. Or maybe our granddads were all pretending their little bathroom brushes were for shaving when in fact they were for cock cleanliness. Or at least one of our granddads must have wondered what the brush would feel like against this more sensitive areas. I'm sure that must have happened. Or maybe one of them had been shaving his balls and discovered the second function accidentally. Did our grandfathers ever shave their balls? Seems unlikely. 
Perhaps this is how the Willy brush was invented. The brush comes with a leaflet describing the brush, explaining what smegma actually is, which I can read you. Uh, smegma is the result of desquamated epithelial debris collecting in the subprepucial space. Apologies uh, to Dr. Keynes if any of these pronunciations are wrong. I am an anatomist, an antibodian anatomist. It contains a variety of fatty acids which produce a whitish and oily substance. Unfortunately, smegma can be an excellent nutritional source for bacteria. Well, it's unfortunate for us, but it's good for the bacteria, isn't it? Think of them. And inflammations and infections in this area are common, especially if the area is not washed thoroughly and frequently. So that is the warning from them. But they do have a hidden agenda at thewillybrush.com to make you buy a willy brush. <coughs> you can't help thinking uh, uh, the, uh, the you know, and they also are against circumcision. If the prepuce or foreskin is removed, the person has the pe uh, the person has been circumcised, possibly when an infant. This is a religious practice in some cultures and usually takes place not long after birth. However, in America, the majority of males are circumcised. When in some European countries, the subject is not understood by the majority, and in the UK, the subject tends to cause embarrassment. Circumcision is viewed differently according to the custom and social practices, but will be carried out in later life for health reasons to avoid infections and disease or because of them. Um, Wills, who make this brush, their view on circumcision is this. In our opinion, circumcision was first practiced in all cultures purely for hygiene reasons. Now, though an un unclean penis may cause infection and diseases which are transferable to partners, we feel cutting off live tissues from the body to help prevent this is rather a drastic precaution. In fact, the medical world are now looking upon it as both futile and a form of body mutilation. The operation is painful and accidents may occur, resulting in scarring or worse, actual glands amputation. But the scarring might be useful, might it? If, as we've learned from the other guy, you can go, I've got a scar... Yeah, I had a botched circumcision. Want to see the scar? Oh, look, stick it in your mouth. There we go, we're off. Um, the foreskin, like the eyelid, is obviously a natural part of the body full of sensitive nerve endings. It protects the glands whilst maintaining sensitivity. The medical practice today does not support circumcision because it's seen as unnecessary and a waste of resources. Yeah, look at those foreskins, what they could be doing. In fact, some of these foreskins are taken away. I tried to have them recreated. This is true. Um, but uh, they are. so they are trying to push this brush onto people. Um, and, you know, if you are circumcised on the plus side, you're saving yourself a fortune in soap and brushes. I've spent £25 on that. I haven't even used it yet. Um, I did plan to use the brush in my show, though suspiciously I haven't. Uh, or give it, give it away as a prize, possibly to the stinkiest copped man who comes to the tour. Uh, I don't think it's appropriate for me to try. I didn't think it was appropriate for me to try the brush out. Also, my penis is always clean enough to eat your dinner off. A chat-up line that has as yet persuaded no women to eat their dinner off it. Or put it anywhere near their mouths. So for the moment, the brush is in my box. is here. Uh, but it's like the old Billy Connolly tea cosy thing, isn't it? Can you trust a man who's left in a room with a woolly brush and doesn't even see what it would feel like against his willy? If so, for the moment, you can't trust me. Uh, but maybe curiosity will get the better of me one day. But at the moment, I mean, I, I might give it away. So it'd be a shame. I don't want people thinking, well, that's been on Rich Shane's cot. For either, either you'd be disgusted or some of you would be excited to think that they were touching a brush that had already had touched, you know my beautiful glands um but it is weird that i don't use it in the show and in fact it come we've put it on the table at every single show because i sort of thought well one day i might try and add live a little bit about this at some point but as it is the show sort of seems to be long enough now without it and i can't find the right place to talk about it and uh, so every time there is a willy brush in case of emergencies i guess <coughs> i'm like the eighth emergency service if a man comes to the show with a very dangerously dirty penis uh, and some water, I can clean his penis for him and save his life. Um, but you, if you if you do come to see the show, you might be able to see this wooden box, uh, which will be the photo of this week's podcast. So you better identify it um, on the table. What's that? And you know, it never gets mentioned. 
Uh, Alright, well I'll quickly read a... I don't think I read this one before, apologies if I did. There are, I've had no good poems through, uh, so I am using ones from... Uh, maybe we did read... Did we read the Peter Bainham one? I, you know, it's terrible, I can't remember. I'll read it anyway and then I'll read another one just in case. I Love My Cock by Peter Bainham uh, from Fist of Fun. I love my cock, it's good for pissing, but even more, it's great for kissing. But I can't do that, though I've had the dream loads of times. Lots of blokes do. Apparently some men can actually do it. Something to do with ligaments, nothing to do with cock length, obviously. Cock length, obviously. Uh, in case we have had that before, here's uh, Dave Thompson, who uh, used to play one of the Teletubbies. He's a comedian. <laughs> and this is a poem he's written called Winkle, about his own penis. Oh, master, you control me so well, lurching towards any funky female smell, striving to bathe in that sacred well. For what? For you, I've nearly crashed my car in high street, straining to see if the girls' faces are as delightful as their bums. You can't care if they're. You don't care if they're fifteen or with their mums. Dave Thompson. I worship goddess, and you are my psalter. Any girl will do for an altar. We pray with lush caresses for the world's a church, and you find the priestesses in. In a ruined castle by a moonlit Liguarian sea, Helena from Belgium. The grounds of the sewage works just outside Warwick, Julia from Warwick. A hotel room in Galway, Mary from Connemara. A brothel in Phuket, can't remember her name, Mi Ling or something. Tony Morwood sofa in San Francisco, Laura from Novota. A brothel in Amsterdam, two at once, can't remember their names. Some woods behind a mental hospital near Radlett, Beth from Vancouver. The deck of a yacht off the coast of Lefrax, Paula from Fulham. A crack house in Liverpool, no name supplied. Across the front seats of my Ford Fiesta, Rose from Derry on, and on a separate occasion, Nina from Brighton. The toilet of a DC-10 between India and Gatwick, on my own but thinking about the flight attendant. A park in Lambeth Walk, Lee from the East Dulwich. Against a national car park's kiosk in the city centre's Manchester, Sharon. A motel room in Nevada, a jacuzzi in the Grand Hotel Brighton, a caravan in Cornwall, a tent at the Glastonbury Festival, a communist tower block in Budapest, my wife from Hungary. Thank you, Winkle, oh quivering cutie, for like an elephant's trunk you have drunk at the pool of feminine beauty. So quite a showy-off uh, poem there from one of the Teletubbies. Um, <laughs> and so I think I'll end this podcast um, with a question that does make it to the show, but some answers that don't make it into the show. <coughs> because I think this is quite an important question. I asked women on the website, is the penis a friend or an enemy to you? And I think the message we get from the media at least is that women view men and their penises as a, a negative thing as a bad thing as a potential enemy as a potential violator and of course that there, there are a percentage of uh, men who are like that but incredibly especially uh, given the statistics uh, on those things 94 percent of women on my survey reviewed viewed the penis as a friend which is fantastic news and also i remember finding that uh, very surprising and illuminating at the time it made me feel a lot better it made me feel like women didn't actually hate men which I think I kind of almost assumed they did 10 years ago interestingly the original statistic in the first show was 95% sorry if you can hear my cats crying in the background <laughs> they seem upset about something I'll be out soon um, so uh, it's gone down 1% in the last 10 years so it's only 94% now um, but here are some of the answers why it's a friend why would a penis be ever be an enemy? If you're asleep with a man and his penis digs into your back mid-spoon, then it's a bit like an impromptu alarm clock. Which is a good way of looking at it. I love this one. It's not in the show. I can't be mean to put it in the show. It might end up in the show. I love Willy, 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 Willy. I'm the Willy botherer. Ask my fella. 
I love the way it looks. I love the way it smells. Musky or fishy, it's all good to me. I love how the flesh of it's always a different colour to the rest of the body and that the skin is so soft like kitten fur or chick down. I love to tease it and watch it dance. I love it fluttering against me like a bird as it gets harder. Yep, Willie is definitely my friend. I just wish my boo-boo would let me play with his more often. What a fantastic woman. But that's a beautiful piece of poetry. That's more than Dave Thompson's disgusting, self-aggrandising list of all his shags. Anyway, uh, my girlfriend, another reason is to friend. My girlfriend started dating me. This is obviously a woman. My girlfriend started dating me because she was bored of men and penis. I won't complain if men keep sending me gorgeous women ready to be sexually satisfied, which is, you know, a good point. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't what I was expecting to find the penis as a friend. Um, the last bloke I dated was a cute but miserable old git. His penis was, however, always happy to see me. It was by far his best feature, and we were friends. I missed that dick. Definitely, and the woman says, definitely a friend. My ex had a beautiful, smooth cock that would sing to me. I mean, I'm guessing that's a sort of poetic bit of license there, but uh, if not, that would be incredible if he if could do that. That would be awesome. And then finally someone says, I wouldn't shake hands with an enemy, which is a good point, or particularly put them in your mouth or in your anus or vagina, I would imagine as well. So uh, so it's good to see the penis as a friend. It's keep it clean. You don't necessarily need to buy a willy brush to keep it clean. Just a, your hand, a flannel, some soap and water. Just make sure you get in there if you have a, a foreskin, if you're lucky enough to have one, uh, and or unlucky enough to have one. And... Uh, you know, once a day, at least, twice if it's hot, which it isn't at the moment. Um, I will be back, maybe not next week, but uh, the week after, uh, with uh, a, a further podcast, possibly about masturbation. So if you have any questions or stories <coughs> that, sort of, you know, that are amusing about that, uh, then uh, do get in touch at herring1967 at gmail.com. Um, I'll just run through the uh, upcoming gigs again one more time for you it'll be lovely to see these gigs obviously if you uh, I, if you keep coming to the shows I can keep giving out free podcasts um, if you have any friends in these areas please do let them know I'm in Stafford that is sold out check with the venue for the returns on the 3rd of April Cardiff on the 4th of April lots of tickets left for that I'd love to get more in 6th of April Dublin at the Sugar Club uh, 12th and 13th at the Bloomsbury in London very nearly sold out uh, and then the rest of April, we go to Cheltenham on the 14th, Nantwich on the 15th, which is not selling that well. Uh, Sutton Coldfield on the 16th, which is sold out. 18th, uh, Didcot, 21st, Coventry, the Warwick Arts Centre, usually does very well, so book ahead for that. Colchester on the 24th, which is instantly sold out. Then 25th, Folkestone, 26th, Southend, 27th to 28th in Norwich. Uh, some of those are selling all right, and some of them aren't. There are more in May, one in June. Um, Go to richshane.com for all of this thing. Remember, you can fill in the uh, questionnaire as well, which is another way of getting your answers on the podcast or the show. Just go to richshane.com and the, look on the left and the links to the male and female questionnaire are there. Thank you very much for listening. I hope that was all right for you. Sorry about the coughing and being a bit ill. Bye.